When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. to open the voice gate our 20th episode yay 20th episode it only took us like a year and a half to get <laughs> I, I, I think everything it evolves ridiculous when you look at like podcasts like burning spirits i know well you know what my my new podcast cheap plug wrestling omakaze <laughs> is already on episode three in like three weeks so okay john okay <laughs> actually doing actually doing one a week but okay, John. <laughs> I, I, we're going to be laughed by pretty much everyone by next month. I mean, everything evolves. 
does like four episodes a month already. So you know that they, they are pretty much going to have this covered. We are your uh, delinquent podcast on the open on the voices of wrestling. Network. <laughs> you were going to call it the Open the Voice Gate Network. <laughs> hey. Uh, I'm on my second Monster Energy drink of the day, and I shouldn't be allowed to communicate with people until I've had two full energy drinks and kill my kidneys. So, I am. So I'm. I'm gonna do. Well, we'll, we'll see. Once my other podcast catches up to this one, I'm gonna in like what, like three months. I'm gonna laugh. It's gonna be funny. <laughs> but, um, but yes, yeah, so this is my second of three podcasts in like eight days. So this is my entire life now. Apparently, just podcasting, but. That's I'm fine. Taking, there are worse like, ways to spend the time. I'm like the NWO on Voices of and Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network is WCW because I'm taking <laughs> over. Um, <laughs> Question: Would that make us uh, the Wolf Pack? And if so, can I be Kevin Nash? That's my right, only. You could, you could be Kevin Nash, but yes. and what Milo, does that make me then? Milo is definitely Scott Hall. What? You're what? definitely Scott Hall. I don't know. I just I get a Scott Hall vibe. I, you're, I you're don't. Up, I'm not Scott Hall. I'm five and my hair is not greasy. But you're very unpredictable, just like Scott Hall. That's not true. I'm very predictable. <laughs> I, I, I'm like the be, most predictable person ever. Do you want to be six? Is that that make you happy? No, no one should want to be Scott Sean Waltman. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take Scott Hall. Okay. Right. And that way we're the outsiders, Milo. They are the outsiders right here. Obviously, I'm Hollywood Hogan. Goes without saying. But hopefully without the racism. Yeah, please um, no racism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, maybe I'll just be Eric Bischoff. That's no! Pretty, he's pretty terrible, too, but I don't, he hasn't said anything. Well, he said some racist things, I think. <laughs> yeah, it, maybe go for Macho. Go for Macho. Mach- Macho, yeah, Macho's dead. He can't do anything else to. <laughs> <laughs> he can't tarnish his legacy any more than he already has in his life. Um. So yeah, that's what I've been up to mostly: podcasting, and I've been on a boat. So that was cool. I went and saw Bermuda. <laughs> the water, the water is so blue. It was so blue. Do you know why the water is so clear and blue, everybody? Because this is, what, this, this, this is what our tour guide told us, you know. We, not, well, not really our tour guide. He was more like he just—he was like our mini bus driver who decided to make himself into a tour guide, even though he was just being paid to drive us to the beach. He decided to be our tour guide anyway. But um, do you know? Actually, do you know what he said was the reason? What was it? Direct quote: Because we don't put poo poo in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's his direct quote. And I'm like, okay. It, it, it. I, I'm not a science person. The only science I know is science of barbecue. So, you know what? That makes as, as much sense as any other explanation. Honestly, honestly, yeah, it does. It really he, does. If you, if you go in that water, it's like, it's seriously like you're in a, you're in a pool, but it's the ocean. Like, that's how clear that water is. It's amazing. But I can't ever go back to the Jersey Shore again after going to Bermuda. That's what I've decided. It's just, I've been, I've been spoiled now for, I know what oceans are actually supposed to be like. But Bermuda's um, not going to have, like, a boardwalk <laughs> or, like, pinball machines and ski wall. That is true. But I'll still take the water over those things, I think. Hey, we each have our own priorities. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's been what I've been up to. What have you guys been up to? Well, um, I... 
I went out to LA for the G1 special on my birthday, which was a lot of fun and very kind of interesting. Well, okay, so Mike, you were there. Yes, was I was. Okada, was Okada Cody any good? Okay, so I wrote kind of my uh, thoughts and live reaction for VOW, so you can go look at it. There's my cheap plug for the episode. But um, the thing about Okada and Cody was that it was a good match. It was a good Cody match. I'll put it that way. But for Okada-level <laughs> matches, it was on the lower end. But it was it, it. I probably had it live at about four stars, just like a flat four. The thing that was real interesting to me was I have never like felt genuine fear in a crowd before that match. Like the crowd was terrified that Cody was going to win. And, I wonder why. Yeah, I mean, of course. And it was just kind of interesting, like experiencing that with a crowd. And I was with my brother and his girlfriend, who it was her first ever wrestling show. So it was an interesting... I, I think it's always kind of cool to like get people's perspectives who are like new into wrestling, and it's like their first exposure, just because I feel like those are like more genuine than how like grizzled, I guess, and uh, cynical we get. So I got her thoughts in the article as well. And oddly enough, her favorite team were the Young Bucks, because she liked the deer kind of logo they had so but it was fun it was was a lot of fun i did get play pinball and i think i think the young bucks oh was that milo no i was gonna say i think the young bucks are like pretty easy um to fall for when you're like a new fan right like they're very appealing they're very colorful they're very like and i don't say this in a bad way but they're very spotty like they do stuff that makes you instantly remember them, right? Yeah. That's actually exactly what she said. Was like she remembered them and like they were spotty and like it was more like dancey and they were colorful. <laughs> and she started calling so, them the Deerman because of that. But yeah, so you gave Okada, you gave Okada Cody four stars, four flat. I gave it, I gave it two and a quarter. <laughs> I, I really, I really hated that match, but. It's fine. I, I figured out I'm on an island on this. So, but Ishi, Ishi Omega was incredible. Yes, like, that was really good. Um, the Young Bucks did one spot that infuriated me. That I have to talk about this. Okay. So they're. I don't. You might remember the spot, Mike. I don't know if you do or not. So they're wrestling. I guess Rapungi Vice. This was night two, right? I think night two. Mm-hmm. So, towards the end of the match, Beretta. Does a dive to the floor on whichever young buck. It doesn't really matter which one. Instead of selling a dive when this man collides with him, the young buck just stands there as if there was a force field in front of him. <laughs> he doesn't He doesn't really do anything to block it. He doesn't really do anything to react to it. It's just like there's an invisible force field in front of this man that catches this dive and then immediately puts in the tombs over this and they, and they do the military driver to the floor. Okay. So. The floor is fine. Why the fuck does the young do the young bucks have an invisible force field that can block dives? And why is no one else from wrestling fucking thought of this? That spot made me. I, I seriously got up <laughs> and I threw something against the wall. That's how angry I got about that. Spot. Jeez. I fucking hate the young bucks, and I hated that fucking spot. I, I, oh my I, goodness! Oh my god! I remember the spot you're talking about, and I thought that. Uh, it, that spot would have made sense if they caught him and like immediately put him up for the tombstone. But like, yes, 
Like, if they like, did anything. Right. If they did anything other than just stand there and not sell a fucking dive. How do you not sell a man diving into you? I mean... That, so that, that, like, if you're... If you're seven feet tall, if you're Braun Strowman and the guy diving at you is like Rey Mysterio, fine. This is – Tremperetta is larger than both the Young Bucks. How the fuck do you no-sell a, ma- a larger man than you fucking diving at you? No clue. No <laughs> clue. <laughs> I hate the fucking Young Bucks. That, that I've, I've turned such a terrible corner on them where – like earlier this year, I was like, "Well, whatever, they're fine." But ever since they they had that fucking crappy match with Naito and Bushi at the Ring of Honor show that featured them having one of the best wrestlers in the world, Naito in the ring and doing the exact same match as always, and then this with just an invisible force field to catch a dive. That I'm just I'm I'm so done with them. They can they can they can take themselves and take themselves off of my earth because I want them off the same earth as me because I'm so fucking sick of them. <laughs> That's my Young Bucks rant. I Jeez, guess. John, you might dislike oh. the Young Bucks more than I dislike Punch Tomonaga, and that's saying something. I, I really, I'm really sick of them. Yeah. I really want to go away forever. Wow. Yeah. So, so, Milo, you had like your own kind of break during our mini excursions that we all had. How was? Uh, you went to see the British Jacob, right? I did go to see the British Jacob. Yes, in the middle of uh, Japan Expo. Yeah. I literally just made the flight to London uh, to go see the Jacob, and I was back in Paris by um, Sunday morning to go to the last day of Japan Expo. Um, so I basically didn't sleep for four days. Well, didn't sleep like from my standard because I I'm, I'm I sleep a lot, but I did sleep only three hours between Saturday and Sunday, which kind of stung. Um, but other than that, like, it was a really, really, really good weekend. I mean, um, the Japan Expo was always really, really fun. I always forget how fun it is until I'm back there. Like, there's really, a, like, a special atmosphere there. Um, and I don't know if you ended up going to AX? I did not. I, okay. My brother and his girlfriend, we ended up, like, going to pinball bars. There was a studio in Ghibli. <laughs> pop-up that we went to that was pretty neat so we had yeah yeah <laughs> like it, it it's funny because she's her favorite film is ponyo and there was absolutely Aww. no ponyo stuff it was all uh kiki's livery service spirited away princess mononoke and uh my neighbor totoro no like if you were a fan of like the deeper cuts you were sol at this pop-up so but yeah no i didn't make it to ax how was the uh, wrestling at the expo, though? Okay, so it's really, like, it's really fun to see wrestling in this sort of environment because you know that these guys are not, like, going to have the match of their life. You know that they're not even going to, like, maybe even try to because they don't really have to. Like, they're wrestling in front of, like, 50 to 100 people. So they're not necessarily going to want to, like, go all out. But it's always really fun to see people who are just, like, attracted by the noise and who would never watch wrestling otherwise, um, who kind of just, like, come around the ring and they get really into it. I, 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 that's really, like, my 
my, that was probably my favorite part of the weekend was like seeing like little kids dragging their parents to the rain or like random like Naruto cosplayers just stopping by and being like so into it by the end. Um, that was really, really cool. Like, uh, I, uh, that was probably, yeah, my favorite part of it, but I mean, it was really cool to see like the Japanese wrestlers, um, for real, like, of course, I mean, I was, th- that was the reason that I, I went in the, like in the first place, but, um, the atmosphere was like really, really fun because it's not like at the British Jacob where everybody was there for the wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. It was really like some people you could tell were there for the wrestling. But I want to say maybe 80% of the crowd that we got on any given day at any given time, because there were there were three shows a day. Um, 80% of those crowds were just people who were at the expo and just happened to stop by the ring. And they were really, really enjoying it. And that was really, really cool. Yeah, I have to imagine that, that like you're talking about the vibe and like the people who showed up like that had a like lend it to like such a fun kind of atmosphere that you wouldn't see that often at a wrestling show. Like it sounds like that I, I enjoy like those kind of atmospheres as well. Just like to see like new fans and all of that and people who are just kind of intrigued by the loud slamming that show up. So that, that's super cool. Mm-mm-mm. It was, yeah, the, the expo. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was really, really cool. The expo overall was super fun. There was, um, Oh my god, there was an event with the cast, I mean, the two lead actors and the director of the live-action Full Metal Alchemist movie. I didn't know they were making that. And, like, Full Metal Alchemist is, like, yeah, like, Full Metal Alchemist is, like, my favorite series ever of any kind of media, like, ever of my life. And uh, so it was really kind of special to be able to, like, witness kind of a... the unveiling of a, like a new chapter in in the saga, even though like the movie seems to be adapting a few plot points from the manga, so it's not like an original story or anything. But um, it was really, really 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 cool to be able to go and see like exclusive footage and hear what the actors and the director had to say, stuff like that. And um, yeah, that was other than the wrestling, that was definitely the highlight of uh, of the expo and of the weekend. Uh, and the oh, I don't know if you guys know the the anime and manga Yoamushi Petal. Not off the top of my head, no. Yeah, it's it's about uh, high, a high school biking club. Mm. So it's really like it's it's very niche, but they have a, a series of plays, and uh, they had a few of the actors come and do like a little demo of like the stage play and everything. That was really cool too. So I'm gonna go to Anime Expo next year. Makes sense. Yeah, I've never gone to it before. Gonna be, I'm gonna have to drop like four hundred dollars on a premiere badge, but what are you gonna do? Mm. Apparently, that's the only that's like the only way to go now. Apparently, but I, I actually am probably <laughs> doing photographs for a couple of the expos that are coming up around here. I think there's like a local comic con and another one that I'm gonna be doing photograph work for. So I will end up going to my first expo sometime soon. Mm. Yeah, I don't like American comic cons, but I don't really like. American superheroes, so it's to be expected, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm doing it for a friend's company who makes a board game and like role playing game, like dice trays. So I'm doing photographs for that. So not really. You're getting, you're, you're, you're getting paid, I hope. Yeah. Okay, so then I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I might go to one of those if you pay me. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Depends on how much. 
Just, just, just slide John an envelope. Just slide the envelope yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we should talk about Dragon Gate, I guess. Um, <laughs> we only went like, what, 15 minutes without. They, I'm sure everybody loves these. I haven't gotten any feedback, actually. I'm waiting for the one person who, like, writes in to be like, why do you guys take, like, 15 minutes to talk about Dragon Gate every episode? And we can be like, I don't know. It's part of our adorable appeal. Because we're <laughs> friends and we and we like each other's company and we want to see how everyone's doing. Like, exactly. l- like yeah. we had someone who tweeted us about Haiku when I mentioned it last last episode. So, like, people seem to like our pre-Dragon Gate banter. So, come at me if you dislike it and I will... <laughs> I don't know. I won't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So Dragon Gate. Um, let's talk about King of Gate. I guess that did finally make air. I, I still haven't watched the final. I still refuse to watch T Hawk's crowning moment. I've decided I'm just not going to watch it. I did watch both semifinals. I saw T Hawk versus Ada, which I thought sucked. I mean, maybe being a little hard on it, but I, I didn't like it at all. Yeah. So I, I thought it was uh, okay. You, I, th- I definitely liked it more than Shingo versus Doi. Oh, I thought Shingo versus Doi was fucking awesome. Yeah, I yeah. dug Shingo versus Doi, but I thought they were kind of same level. Yeah, no, I I kind of thought it was dull, and uh, also I've just decided that I'm in like I'm instigating a zero tolerance policy for any Verzard bullshit. So any match that has Verzard bullshit now just gets a dud from me. I didn't think it did. It, did it have that much? I don't. Yeah. Really- it, it played into the finish, but it was, like, Doi, like, fighting out of it and, like, not caring, which I liked. Like, Doi saying, like, yeah, this doesn't apply to me. I'm, I'm happily married Naruki Doi. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah Shingo... Just... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Milo. I know. At this... I mean, there was, like, a box attack and stuff like that, and I'm just, like... At this point, I... I just... If I bring myself to caring about about this and like more than I have to I'm just going to go crazy so I see Verzerk interference I'm just not going to bother like anymore I, I'm mentally checked out of the match like may, it might, might be sad to say but it's <laughs> kind of one of my ways of surviving this kind of drought that we're in I Shingo Joy I gave it four and a quarter I think it was one of my Jesus. favorites yeah it was one of my favorite uh one of my favorite matches so far. I liked it so far this year. I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, I give it a I, flat four. I think Shingo ended up being like the work rate MVP of the tournament. Yeah, between the Doi match and the Hulk match, they're both really good. And the Mochizuki match. And the Mochizuki match, which yeah. So Shingo had a Shingo had a good tournament. As um, long as there wasn't Berserk bullshit. Since the Berserk <laughs> bullshit kind of came up, that's when it went downhill. But like his top level matches were pretty solid. Yeah, the Doi. But anyway, so Doi Doi winning in the end obviously helped. But mm-hmm. um, I just thought I thought the two of them were really um, they're really on point here, and the crowd was super into it. And you know, um, we had like there was that long, like or like when when Doi like no sold, or not no sold, but he kicked out two of Made in Japan. That was a great moment. Yeah, and the crowd went, the crowd went really nuts for that. And Shingo's facial expression was pretty good, like selling his shock at Doi kicking out. And then Dory to come back and finally get the Bakatera and get the pen was really good. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a good match. Yeah, like, I, I really like uh, Shingo's facials, like how you're talking about, like his frustration and how fucking dare you if you kick out of the Made in Japan, especially back to back. Like, I thought that was yeah, pretty... he kicked, Oh, yeah, he kicked out two of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was that that was pretty sick. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I I thought it was it would have set up great for Dory to win the whole fucking tournament, but of course that couldn't happen. Even though the crowd was going nuts for him there, but uh, you guys can talk about T Hawk and Dory. I didn't <laughs> I didn't watch it because I was still mad. Well, well, I had something I wanted to say about T Hawk and Ada before we moved on because we kind of glossed oh. over it. Like uh, over like these these two nights and Corkin, I really like his Cerebrus knee strike. Like, he has gotten that thing over, at least in my mind, and it's kind of changed my outlook on T-Hawk a little bit, just because it's very brutal looking. Like, it's just like a straight knee to the face. And, mm-hmm. I, I, Milo, I, I was kind of interested to hear, because I knew, I, I, I knew that John was lower about this, but uh, what did you think about, like, the segment where it was, like, Paros to Night Ride to Paros again? Like, I love that. Um, I, I really enjoyed it at first, I thought it maybe went on a little bit too long for how short, quote unquote, the match was. Right. But I really did enjoy like the initial one. I was like, oh, my God, that was really cool. I think it was probably my favorite moment of the match. Yeah. But like with the, with the final, the frustrating point I had on the match. I know, Milo, you don't rate rate matches and I get, I'm going a little bit higher on T-Hawk matches than John does. I gave it three and a <laughs> half. But uh, I gave it. <laughs> you gave it not rated, but yeah. uh, it's fr- the thing about T Hawk that's frustrating me. Like, and this was a thing that I noticed on both the shows we're going to talk. We're talking about is T Hawk doesn't sell when he needs to sell. Like Ada, like worked his arm for so long, and he like and his leg. Too. Yeah, and his leg, and he didn't even bother. Like Doy. Yeah, because now that now that. Uh, now that there's the knee strike to mm-hmm. take care of he doesn't sell it and it's frustrating but uh, the, the thing that kind of surprised me about the final was uh, T-Hawk actually got fan calls for the first time since Millennials which <laughs> surprised me and it was kind of noticeable that like uh, with like the crowd it seemed like and it might just be me a hyper being like hyper like analytical but it seemed like that the fans that were into him seemed like there was a younger woman and it 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 seems like that it was between like him and like ada who really gets a lot of girls i've noticed like it was one of those things i was like maybe t-hawk isn't this screwed after all but it didn't really matter at the end because the crowd went so dead after t-hawk went cerebrus into a night ride so but it was okay, I think. Uh, Milo, did you have anything for it? Not really. <laughs> it's just, like, it, it's what we all were th- expecting, I feel like. Like, we were expecting this with T-Hawk. Like, this kind of match was what it was. John, I don't think you missed out too much. But set up our Kobe World main event, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um. Yeah, it's. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't watch it. John is like checked out of life right now. I'm. I'm, I'm waiting for us to move on. So over can, for them. I can yeah, stop well, thinking about T Hawk. Well, let's get to Corkin because it was really interesting, and I have a page and a half of notes for the Nanawa Captain's Falls match because I thought I would be carrying that, but I liked Corkin a whole lot. I don't know. Yeah, Corkin was Corkin was good. I got nothing yeah. to complain about at all. Probably the best. It, probably the best cork in the year. I can't think of a better one. Uh, the, maybe the one with uh, the Benkei versus Shimizu match. 
Not Benkei, and, sorry, Yamamura versus Shimizu. I thought this was better, but it's that one that one would be number two probably. Okay, see I'm probably the low man on that on that show actually. Um I thought that it felt a lot like a lot of the the Kodakuens that have um, like big stipulation matches as the main event and that the other guys didn't really want to like exhaust the crowd too much. So a lot of the matches kind of felt dull to me. I I definitely (laughs) felt that way kind of about uh, the uh, CK1 versus Yoshina Tomonaga match. I mean, that was going to feel dull either way. Like... (laughs) That, that that might have been one of the worst Corkin matches I've seen in a while, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, there was interesting stuff on it. Like I really dug the uh, some of the stuff in the earlier matches, and, but it just kind of like I, I think you're right. Like no one went absolutely balls to the wall until the main event, and even with the main event, they waited for everyone to get into the ring before the match really started. So, but. Mm-hmm. It, but uh, I don't know if the version y'all saw had the opening match or had match zero. It, it did. It was. It, it was good. It was good. It was fine. I mean, it was a young boys match. There's yeah. like only one five. Never much to say about but, those. Yeah, Shun won clean. Yeah, Shun's been adding a couple new yeah. moves. I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of neat. My small, my small leopard son kind of is stagnant. I feel like. Your small leopard son needs to watch where he puts his dick from all, from all accounts. Oh, really? What? Is he, uh, <laughs> does he have a bit of an Ada problem? <laughs> Give me the gossip right now. I, that's all I'm going to say is that, uh, he, he, he needs to chill. Okay, uh, uh, should we talk about this after we're done recording? Yeah, he needs to calm his ass down. <laughs> from, from, from what I've read in, in uh, on, like, a, the Japanese boards and stuff. And granted, you know, I'm using a lot of Google Translate, so maybe I'm missing something. But I'm pretty sure what they're saying is that he uh, he, he 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 likes the girls a little too much. Okay, so he's an Ata, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's playing an Ata. He's he's really he, he really needs to calm down. <laughs> so on one hand, I'm sad that this is what's causing his hold, his holding back. On the other hand, I'm kind of like. Of course you are, yo. Of course course you are, because all of my favorite young wrestlers do things like this. I mean, it's like Tozawa part two. I know, like, jeez. Like, like, take me back. I think Tozawa's problem was he played video games too much. I don't know if that's Hill's problem, but... I I um. mean, Tozawa would keep all the trainees up because he would bring in, like, his Super Nintendo and want to play Fire Pro, and Yamato was trying to get sleep, and Yamato's like... Bro, really, bro? <laughs> and it, and, and Tozawa, because how young Tozawa was, Tozawa was like, no, nah, I want come on, let's play Fire Pro. Let's do this. But <laughs> he's but, Tozawa. I, I need to stop liking young guys because or the, the young boys because <laughs> I always choose Michael, that sentence didn't get any better. <laughs> I, 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 I try to correct myself, but uh but like whenever I choose like my new favorite, undoubtedly they are some form of fuck-up. Like, th- this is, like, happening now across my whole entire Dragon Gate fandom. Like, Kanichiro Rai, huge fuck-up. <laughs> Tozawa, probably even bigger fuck-up. Uh, Ada, fuck-up. Hyo, <laughs> fuck-up. So... <laughs> so <laughs> I need to stop giving th- these young boys my, fan- my, my seal of approval. 
Joe needs to calm his ass down. That's all I'm going to say about <laughs> Calm his ass down. There's plenty of girls out there for you as long as you stay in Dragon Gate. You don't need to have them all at once, buddy. Calm down. Maybe he needs to join Fujihara and understand that like the true ways of women from Don Fuji. Oh, Jesus. I just right, we should get, we should move on before I get sued for slander, so let's move on. Okay. What? To the opening match. We'll talk about this after we're done recording. I mean, that's all. pretty much all I know, is that okay. he, he needs to calm his ass down with the ladies, apparently, but I don't, you know, that's, that's what I've read. I can't... Okay. Allegedly. 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 And he's <laughs> All right. Opening match. Um, Gamma, Eita, and Takahiro Yamamura defeating Mochizuki, Don Fuji, and Yuki Yoshioka in his new aqua blue tights. I, I like them. I don't. Yeah, they're... Really? John, I really I'm, don't. John, they're terrible. I'm on, I'm on an island here with this. I think they're cute. I think that they're too short. They're too tight around the crotch area, and the color combo is terrible. I I like them. I don't care. <laughs> and, and they're bell bottoms. He's wearing bell bottoms. They're cute. Come on. I can, yeah. I can, I can live with bell bottoms. Like it helps me stand out. I I mean to be fair, Super Super Cisha had bell bottoms for a while. Yeah, it's no I problem. The but color. they were the right length. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, but like, Yamamura, I... <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> But, like, yeah, Yoshioka looked a little raw, but he worked really well with Mochi Fuji. Like, that was, like, a fun little tandem. And uh, I love the exchange at the end between Yuki and Yamamura. Like, like he was not, but, like, he was willing to give it and give it and take it. Like, it was a lot of fun. And probably the best match of his, I think, since the uh, Veterans versus the Class of 16. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but it, it was an opener. It was fun. Yamamura got the pin in 1359 with the Fisherman Driver over Yoshioka. Um, do, you, do you have any thoughts on this match, Milo? I thought it was fine. I, I always like the Fuji antics. I think he tried to throw a water bottle again. Um, you know, I never really have much to say about like these kind of matches that are young boy focused because they're just kind of grind. Like it's kind of like level grinding in Pokemon, right? Um, yeah. And I really don't say this as like a negative thing because it's like a, a necessary thing, but I kind of feel like they're kind of um, all the same. Like it, it gets to a point where it's like enjoyable, but there's not a lot to say about it that you haven't said about another rookie match before, right? Mm. And like this is just an observation. I'm not, I'm not like shitting on them. You know, I love my young boys, but it's just the way that I that I see it, you know? It's, but it, I have to say, it is really fun to see Yamamura being kind of like a senior now. Yeah. Right? L- like, he got to do the beatdown for yeah, once. He's got a chip on his shoulder now. Yeah. It, it, it was, fu- like, I guess the thing for me in the Young Boy matches is I like to see them kind of how they change throughout their stint on the lower card. So, like, seeing, like, oh, sure. Seeing, like, Shun, like, pull out some new moves and I see him, like, evolve his moveset, I really enjoy. Yeah, that's, and, that's exactly what I mean when I compare it to, like, level grinding in yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, there wasn't... Like, Don Fuji was funny in that match, but Don Fuji always is. Exactly. Don Fuji, man. 
he, he got more flowers. I don't know what Don Fuji has done lately to get so many flowers, but it seems like two out of the <laughs> last three tape shows, he's gotten bouquets of flowers from the crowd. Honestly, it might just be because he's Don Fuji and he's awesome. Yeah, see, Don, Don Fuji allegedly also likes to stick his dick in a lot of places, but I guess it's okay. I mean, can you really not understand that? Because he's an old, he's old, so I guess it's okay. The, the Don Fuji also is someone who is like on record about like, no, I'm never getting married because I love women way too much to settle down. <laughs> and the middle aged housewives of Japan thank every day, thank God every day for uh, for that allegedly. Okay, match number two: Al Lindeman, Yosuke Santa Maria. Linda Man wins in exactly 10 minutes with the Tiger Suplex hold. This was fun while it lasted, I thought. This was uh, Linda Man being a great little prick heel here, and mm-hmm. Maria Maria being uh, a great underdog and really firing up at the right times, I thought. So mm-hmm. I, this was this was a really fun 10-minute singles match. It hurts me. <laughs> it still hurts, John. It's been like a year, and it still hurts. It's going to be okay, Milo. It's just gonna... No, it's not. <laughs> you see like I might be a little bit more down on this match because this match really felt like it should have happened right after the Maryland split like that's how the match felt like to me like as they were like fighting back and forth like it was like I enjoyed it enough it was good but like it just kind of like it was a match that I was like I'm surprised that this match happened now and it's my didn't, ha- they, have sin- didn't they have like singles matches after the breakup but I don't remember I'm them. Sure this is not the first singles match they've had since the breakup. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty certain you're right. But this is the one that kind of felt like I don't remember it like felt the like ones. match that should have happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. And, and Lindemann's a little bit of a tryhard about being a bad guy. I've noticed. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he is a little bit too much of a cutie pie to be a heel, but because like he was just like trying super hard to be a dickhead. And yeah, the, that's yeah. Sorry. That- so that was, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think that his face, as much of an asset as it was when he was a baby face, mm-hmm. is now kind of holding him back from being, like, a true heel. Because, like, he's got the, the the facial expressions, like, the frowny face and, like, the angry face and, like, the death, the, the death glare. Like, he's got that down. The problem is that his face still looks like he belongs in the world of Teletubbies. <laughs> Like, and that's just his face. He's never going to be able to change it. I mean, he could, but that would require a lot of money. Um, and time. And time. So, yeah, uh, I, I think his face is kind of betraying him in terms of, like, being really, like, a true heel. Um, but that's, I mean, if he's really good at being it, I think he's going to make us forget it pretty quickly, you know? Um, although I got, you know, I got to say, I was really... I feel very, it, it feels very bittersweet to see Lindemann with his first belt because you're like, oh, my baby's got his first belt. And then you fucking remember who he's champions with. And I'm just like, why? Why, God? So, yeah, I uh, but I'm, I'm glad that he had the singles match and I didn't have to, like, acknowledge the fact that his of who his, his co-champions are. Yeah. Mm. But like, yeah, like. It feel like I guess it was one of the things that that really bothered me about about Dead or Alive was like that would have been a perfect like first team for him and now this one which it makes air I think tomorrow the uh, the Osaka show for my birthday 
that he won the belt on, but, like, I don't know. Like, I'm with you on that, Milo. It just feels kind of like a letdown. Mm-mm. I'm just wow. like, and this doesn't even stem from, like, I mean, it does kind of stem from my hatred of Shingo and my general just indifference to Cybercon. Um, or, sorry, Takashi Yoshida. Um, but I'm just like... I, I really wish Lindemann could have been more of the focus of like his first title reign instead of being almost kind of the obvious third man in a triangle gate team. Mm. You know? I guess. Yeah. But then I, again, I, I, I don't know why I keep expecting good things from Dragon Gate this year. Or at least good things from Berserk. But that might just be me. Either. Yeah. No, Verzer anyway. needs to die. Like. Anyway, I like this. They're match. probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I liked it too, John. I'm sorry. I did. I did like it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um. So let's move on to match three. KZ and Flamita against Jimmy Kagatora and Drastic Boy. Uh, Flamita pins Drastic Boy for seemingly the ten thousandth time. <laughs> and eleven oh one with the flam fly. This was fine. I didn't really have any problem with it. It was a good little tag match. Nothing really stuck out in my mind for it either, though. I like how it built up uh, the Kobe World Brave Gate match. Like, the, the post-match seemed like that had more to it than anything else with the match. Like, the rest of it was just fine. Like, it was fun. Like, Jurassic Boy continues to improve, and I'm glad that he's, st- that he's stuck around now. Maybe after things fall out in the fall, if he gets, like, a, a more permanent deal, he might end up joining a unit, which would be fun. But, like, it was okay. It was fun. Yeah, I really like the team of KZ and Flamita. It's a solid team. Like, like they, they make sense. And KZ has a great Flamita hat, which I could get. <laughs> Although, I have to say, and again, I feel like John is going to, like, murder me in my sleep for being so negative. But um, I... I love Flamita, and I'm sure that he and Kaidatora are going to have a great match at World. But I'm bitter as hell, you guys. <laughs> I'm I'm really, really bitter <laughs> that this is the title match we're getting when Flamita had a title shot fairly recently. Like, yeah. And especially with how things were built up with the Yamamura and they just kind of dropped... Yeah, they built built up with the Yamamura once again. You know, I'm never, I will, until I am the last person on the remnants of that ship, I will just always be bitter about the fact that KZ is not the one getting the title shot. Because I feel like that could be a great story and a banner of a match. I think it's going to be fun, but, like, yeah, Flamita, that seems like that's his role, is always coming in, being like, hey, I was that Brave Gate champion that time, guys. Remember? I was Brave Gate champion. <laughs> but, yeah. It, it was fun, though. Like, it was a good enough match, like, for the kind of match it was and what the card mm-hmm. was. It was it was, it was alright. It was fun. Like, I had it, like, at three and a quarter. But, yeah. I, 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 I did like it. I, I always like... I mean... I always like Drastic Boy and Flamita, like, going at it. I feel like they, I mean, they, they've wrestled each other, like, a million times at this point, right? Well, yeah, they've had to, especially with how DTU starts. Like, they start, like, wrestlers in DTU, like, they have, like, nine and ten-year-olds wrestling in DTU. 
So. Jesus Christ. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, no matter how many times they face off against each other, I always get a lot of enjoyment out of it. So yeah, I yeah, that was cool. Um, so match four: Shima and Dragon Kid against Takashi Yoshida and Punch Tomonaga. Dragon no. Kid, Dragon Kid, pin Tomonaga. Thirteen forty-five. The Bible. This fucking sucked. It was horrible. This. F- it was. Sucked. Oh my goodness. Ugh. This fucking sucks. <laughs> I'll say one positive. Uh, it was the first time that I kind of got Yoshida as Yoshida and not as Cyber Kong. That being said, this was one of the worst matches I've seen at a Corkin since I can remember. It was just garbage, way too much PT. CK1 were just kind of there, and it just was way I too mean, much Tomonaga. It just was has, bad. Hasn't that been the story of that team, CK1, were just kind of there? Yeah, totally. So, like, when you take a team that's just kind of there and you put them against arguably the Worst possible team you could have farmed out of any of this, the roster. What do you expect? <sighs> like, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you got to give everybody a spot on the card, but yeah, no, sorry, I'll I'll pass. That's a, no. Mm-mm. Let's not talk about it anymore. It sucked. It was bad. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it just it really did. It fucking sucked. Uh, Match I, I, five. Yoshida oh, sorry, has ahead. seemed like he's lost weight. I did notice that, but that's go it. The, go, the match was trash. Semi main event: Shingo Takagi and T Hawk defeating Yamato and BB Hulk. Uh, um, it was eighteen oh eight. Shingo pin Yamato. Basically, after um, mm-hmm. BB Hulk or T Hawk kind of came in and kicked him, and like turned it, flipped it over, flipped the the Hurricanrana. Or the Frankensteiner yeah. from God. Yeah. What do they call it? The, Franken- the Frankensteiner. Frankensteiner of the Almighty. Of oh, the Almighty. Thank you. So the Frankensteiner of the Almighty, he kind of flipped it over into a, into a, a Shingo pen. All right, here's my thoughts on this match. Shingo was Shingo was better in it than T-Hawk, in yeah. my opinion, which which is going to piss Milo off, I'm sure. But he he was. And this, like, whatever he was in I the don't... ring. <laughs> sorry. No, no, no! I was gonna say no. It doesn't piss me off. Like, okay. I, I sometimes I have to like reluctantly agree to these kind of things because I uh, thought the I thought the Mochizuki match was great, for example, and you know that I, I think Shingo's having a very good 2017. I have to be honest. I didn't like him as much in 2016, but I think he's having a, a good 2017. A good um, in the ring 2017. Let's just exactly keep it in that like rapper. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. But like, so he was great in this match. I thought, and and his stuff with Yamato and with Hulk was very heated. Mm-hmm. Um, Hulk and Sh- Hulk and Shingo. You know what? I kind of wish they were doing a singles match at World because Hulk has not looked like the best that Hulk has looked since he came back has been wrestling Shingo Takagi. And yeah. they have a lot of they have a lot of chemistry together for whatever I mean, reason. They, yeah. So for like, whatever reason, they always have. Yes, it's true. Well, I, I actually feel like their matches this year have been better than they were some of their historical ones. But um, better than but the yeah. uh, final gate match, not the final gate one, but the one at World was, was not that. Both the World ones, yeah, were not that good. I think. But anyway, so Shingo and Hulk, you know, they had a lot of chemistry together in this match. Shingo and Yamato had chemistry together in this match. T Hawk and Yamato had no chemistry whatsoever. I kind of disagree on that. Uh, it felt it did not feel like a World main event to me. Like it was the two of them in there with no heat, just kind of like 
rolling around and it felt like nothing to me. Like I just it, compared to the Shingo interactions, I was like, um, this is this is really bad. So I don't know. Like yeah, no, I don't know. I I did I did feel a, a little bit of something coming from T Hawk and Yamato at some points of the match. I I don't know. I I gotta gotta disagree with you here. Sorry. Okay. All right. I just I felt absolutely nothing. <laughs> that's and that's okay. I guess I'll be the midpoint because, like, over the like, <laughs> last two shows, like, I think I was more negative about T Hawk than you were, John. About like, like I've oh, been for like the last couple of years, I've kind of always been like railing against T Hawk. But like, maybe it is that I just really love his knee strike. But like, I, I they've gotten that move over enough that I'm like that. There's like the kernel of doubt in my head that's like, what happens if he knees Yamato in the face? Like, that's the only thing, like, to me about it. But, like, to me, like, Hulk just felt, like, out of place. And, like, the only time that Hulk has had any, like, sort of response or heat or anything since he's come back has been against Shingo. Like, like, it just, like, the whole, like, there were just, like, weird parts about this match that, like, stopped me from, like, really liking it. Like... Everything was, like, pretty okay when it was, uh... Everything was good when it had Takagi in it. Everything was there when it had T-Hawk in there. And when Hulk was in there, if it was Hulk and T-Hawk, it was just kind of there. And, uh, there was, like, a moment where, like, Hulk had, like, the the funniest, like, apron kind of, like, jump out before... Before, uh, Yamato hit Go to Hospital 2 that I thought was really funny. And I don't remember the exact moment, but it was just something that just... I wrote down in my notebook... Hulk did the funniest apron run before the go to hospitals. <laughs> just because, like, Hulk's just awkward. Like, that's the thing that made me feel like is, like, Hulk is awkward. 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 So, yeah. That's I all. I thought he was fine in this match, but I don't know. I liked his stuff with Shingo. Yeah, I, but, that part was great, but it was, like, Hulk versus T-Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> T-Hawk versus anyone is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah... <laughs> John, I, I want your opinion on this. The, the Cerebrus knee, do you like it at all, or are you just like, oh, it's Seahawk hand wave? It's fine, I guess. I don't know. I don't really care. Fair enough. Um. All right, so the main event. Maximum and the Jimmies in a Captain's Fall, Nanio Rules, Elimination Match. Team Maximum, Captain Katoka, Naroki Doi, Masato Yoshino, Big Arshimiju, and Ben K against the Jimmies, Captain Genki, Jimmy Susumu, Jimmy Kanda, Ryujimi Saito, and Jimmy Kness, JKS. Um, this was, okay, you have to split this in half, in my opinion. Like The first 15 or so, even up to maybe even like 20 minutes, were not really that great. It was um, everything until everybody was in the ring. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. it was pretty was pretty dull. Um, even with people running in and stuff, they didn't really do enough with it. I mean, it still gives me that nostalgic feeling. I, I, I love these Naniwa matches. Because the only thing left in wrestling that feels like war games, you know? Right. When I was a kid watching WCW, we have, like, a, an advanced start, and another guy comes in, an advanced start. And, like, you know, and Maximum had the advantage here. I, I didn't think they did quite enough with it, but they're not heels, so I get it. They didn't want them, like, just booing Maximum. But They um, were kind of heelish, though. Like, a little bit. Yeah. A little Like, there were moments, like, when, like, when Doi came in and Yoshino was already in the ring, like, Yoshino was, like, smirking as Doi, like, rampaged around that. But that's really not, like. And Yoshino always smirks like that, though. But it's, it's great. Not, I missed it I, for so long. 
but that's not him being heel. It's just him being Yoshido. But yeah, the the Doi Doi's entrance was by far the best one I thought because he like just runs in. First of all, it's a muscular, and then he just takes off. Yeah, like even that you could hear the announcer saying "Hayai, Hayai," which means fast. Mm-hmm. So so he's coming in really fast, and he like like lays waste to everybody. He does like this great flipping senton on somebody. I don't remember who he it's did. Consumer, okay, and then he get, then he just kind of like stands there looking at the crowd. The crowd's going crazy, and Yoshino walks over with that smirk, and he like puts his hand on his shoulder, and it's like you two are the cutest couple of all time. Still, <laughs> still to this day, it's like they, they they picked right up where they left off. Yeah, but um, but That's yeah, that, it was beautiful. That was the best entrance from the um from the from the early part. Other than that, it was a lot. It was a lot of kind of like just fighting, you know, like a lot of clubbering and. It, 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 it felt like a like a battle royal before everyone was in there. Well, what, what, yeah. the weird thing is, it felt like a battle royal, except you couldn't do battle royal eliminations. Yeah, because so because you can't eliminate anybody on the top rope until all ten men are in the ring. Mm-hmm. So another way, it's like war games, like a match beyond starts. The uh, match you beyond. Can, you can eliminate people. You can C A N. If you pin them or submit them before all ten are in there, but you can't eliminate them over the top rope until all ten are in there. I'm pretty sure when New Japan does the elimination matches, they have the same rule too. I think you can't do the over the top eliminations until everybody's in the ring. So it seems to be a common Japanese like elimination rule. But yeah, so people are. If anybody was confused watching it, just it, for any other DG elimination matches in the future too, no over the top rope elimination until everybody's in the ring. Until you got um, that match beyond baby. That's what you can do that. <laughs> Match beyond, baby. Um, the I don't understand that reference. <laughs> it's just it, it, Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. <laughs> the what? The, uh, I don't know how much Dusty the Rhodes. American dream, if you will. Yeah, yeah Milo. I don't know how much a Dusty Rhodes you ever seen, but he had a, a very, very pronounced lisp and cadence. Clubbering, clubbering, baby, clubbering. I'm the son of a plumber, baby. But yeah, okay. I just <laughs> I just didn't understand when you said Dusty Rhodes. I thought you said a completely different name, and I was like racking my brain trying Uh-oh. to figure out if it was like some obscure American sitcom reference. But now that you say Dusty Rhodes, and I understand that that's what you mean, I I I, I understand. Okay, but yeah, you know, Dusty Rhodes invented the okay. war games. That's what John and I are riffing on. So the early part of this match, though, it, it was like a battle royal without without the elimination teases, so that kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. But uh, but after all ten men were in, you got the elimination teases, which I, as I was talking about on Twitter, no crowd. This goes the case for every promotion. No crowd reacts to battle relation battle battle royal elimination teases like a fucking Kurokan crowd. Mm-hmm. Like they react. Especially the the women are what really makes it because they scream in like terror, like the like the floor is covered in acid. And the rest <laughs> the of floor is lava, John. The floor is lava, or whatever, and the rest is about to get thrown to their death. Like they really scream their heads off. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. They've got another reason. God bless Japanese women in crowds. They're they are the greatest. But um, so yeah, they're, so they're screaming, and these you know we got the teases going. And then eventually it kind of settles into like a five on five tag match where they're actually, you know, tagging in and out. And that's when it got really good. And then the eliminations start. So before I get into the eliminations, is there anything else you guys want to say about the match uh, pre eliminations? Yeah, uh, just for people know the uh, the end because I took a whole lot of notes because I thought I'd be the one covering all of Corkin. Uh, 
the entry order was Yoshino Susumu to start. Maximum had the advantage, so then it went Benkei, Konda, Big R, Kness, Doi, Saito, Katoka, and Horiguchi. Uh, there was a really funny moment in the, uh, in like the while while people were still entering, where where Sayuriyo tried to go for the cycling Yahoo, and everyone was just like, nope, 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 and just like beat the <laughs> crap out of him. I enjoyed that a whole lot, but. It was, yeah, the opening segment, as we've been saying, was just clubbering. A lot of clubbering. Clubbering, baby, clubbering. Clubbering, baby. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, that was the opening segment. And then oh, the elimination started at 25-45. The very, so people know, this match, you can eliminate everybody on the other team you want, but the match will end the moment one captain's eliminated. So that's what captain's fall means. So you don't have to eliminate everybody on the other team. But obviously, the more of them you eliminate, the easier it'll be to get to the captain. So the match continues until either Kotoka or Genki are eliminated. So the first elimination was Kotoka countering the Hikari Noa against Kness. Um, I, Who's the was, man? That was awesome. That yeah. Was awesome. Who's like, the man? Like Kness kept rolling around and rolling around and rolling around. And Kotoka finally gets the cutback. I think it was like his second attempt. And Kness gets pinned. That was great. Literally everyone who ever told me that Katoka was worthless owes me so much fucking money right now. Yeah, Katoka was like he was awesome in this, and he was way over too. The, the yeah. women of Tokyo were in love with Katoka and did not want them to hurt anyone to hurt this precious they, boy. They, they wanted they wanted to protect him. I think it brought out. So the do I. <laughs> so do I. Um, so then the next this, the eliminations really coming fast and furious. So the next one was Susumu pinning Benkei. 27 minutes of the Jumbo Nokachi Gatame. Um, not much to say about this one. It was there. I mean, there was a huge shot put slam near fall right before it. That was yeah. that was like amazing. Like uh, at this point, like if y'all don't want to watch 20 minutes of clubbering, watch the last 15 minutes of the match. Yeah, you can incredible. you can fast forward you can fast forward to the 20 minute mark if you want to. I still I. I like the entire package. Right. So, like, I wouldn't want to miss any of it, but even even though the, the, the start of it... Uh, but anyway, we'll get into the rating and stuff at the end. Mm-hmm. So then the next elimination was Jimmy Conda, over the, the only over-the-top rope elimination, mm-hmm. eliminating um, Big R Shimizu in 2846. This was awesome because they, like, so they fought their way to the, to the, to the ropes. Like, both of them looked like they were going to be eliminating the other one. And Shimizu was like hanging on to the top rope with both arms. Like his whole body was over the floor. And like Conda just kicks his arms out and he just falls all the way to the floor. He John Woo fucking- kicked him that way. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. It was tremendous. That was a great elimination. Yeah. Put, like, this just gigantic man just slamming into the floor. <laughs> it, it was great. But yeah, they they made their one over-the-top elimination count. And, and um, then at this point, like, the match kind of turned into another gear where it was uh, Doyoshi and Katoka that, like, they were doing whatever they could to bail out Maximum throughout it. Like, it was like them was like, oh, I guess we're going to put everyone on our back and do this. But like, yeah, so this point, so this point was four on three, uh, Jimmy's. Mm-hmm. So, the, but they, but it wouldn't last that way for long because thirty fifty six, Yoshino pins Jimmy Kanda with the Torbellino Torba, Torba, crucifix. Um, that that was a cool little. And then right after that, thirty one thirty two, Doi pins Susumu with the Bakatar. So it goes from four on three Jimmy's to three on two, for the um, for maximum. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that was a great little sequence. I thought. Yeah. Um, then after, so we have a little bit 
a little bit of time to catch our breath before Horiguchi gets the backslide from heaven on Yoshino. 32-24. Makes it two on two. And, and that's but when th- the crowd went insane because then yeah. whenever the black backslide is used in this kind of match, then everyone just just like gets to the next gear, I've noticed. I mean, there's, there's cradle near falls constantly in these matches, too, which mm-hmm. makes the whenever the cradles finally work, it, it, it make, doesn't make it feel hokey because they're going for them all match long. Like they don't just go for them when, um, like in WWE, I feel like they, they go for an inside cradle or whatever, when it's a finish and that's literally it. Whereas in these matches, they go for, um, they go for cradles all the time and sometimes they work and some, most of the time they don't. Well, I mean, so. most of these guys have cradles. Like you yeah. have Horikuchi, of course you have the V9 clutch you have uh, which Joy went for Joy, Joy went for it at one point. Yeah. It didn't work. It didn't work. We definitely went for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last elimination. Okay, so this was awesome. So Genki is trying to backslide Joy and get rid of him with the backslide too, and he goes for the backslide times, which is like his rolling backslide. But Joy kicks out. Genki sits up right into the Caldrea or the Caldrea. It was amazing. So, like he sits right up and Caldera come like you just see um Kotoka come flying out of this out of the picture, right and crashing into him with that double stop and then gets the pin. So yeah, that was fucking awesome. So Kotoka pins Genki, um, and that's the end of the match. Doesn't matter that Saito wasn't pinned. Maxim wins. Or Susumu No, Susumu got pinned. Nope. No, Saito got penned by Doi by the Bakatari. Susumu was the last one. Oh, so, so Jay has it wrong then. Hey, I took a page and a half notes. I yeah. made sure. All that... right. I believe you. I Wait, just watched. Jay was wrong about something. Sure. Oh, wow. Milo's out here. <laughs> Gotta take a shot here. But who, yeah, you're... who was the person who said Kotoka would never amount to anything? Who was it? <laughs> okay. Let's not get heat with the guy who controls my tickets. Thank you. <laughs> um, so Kotoka Kotoka <laughs> Genki and you're right Susumu was the last one left I, I think you're right that Doi pinned Saito not Susumu yeah he did. I did I did just I did just watch it but I was relying on Jay's results here so um, alright anyway tremendous awesome. match I, I gave it four and a quarter even with the even with the boring 15 minutes I thought this was awesome it really it really reminded me of like it gave me that nostalgic feeling of why I love Dragon Gate in the first place. I mean, I love these elimination matches so much, and I feel like we haven't had nearly enough of them this year. So I'm hopeful that we'll get some more as part of this unit, um, the unit league that we that was announced afterwards. But yeah, this was really, really, really this was really, really good. It was a great moment for Katoka, and uh, I, I guess this is kind of the blow off to Maximum Jimmy. So it's a good blow off, I think. Yeah, I loved it. I actually went a little higher. I went four and a half. I actually really liked the opening segment. I like that kind of stuff that, like, like Maximum had the advantage so, like, they were going to try to put the beat down on everyone, and then as soon as, whenever the Jimmies got made an even advantage, it seemed like the Jimmies had the advantage, like, had their number as long as they weren't being overnumbered or outnumbered. But, yeah, I give it four and a half. I loved it. It's probably my favorite Dragon Gate match since uh, Big R versus Yamamura, personally. Mm. Like I mm-hmm. loved it, love like my, like yeah. when we go back in the year <laughs> and start doing awards like this would rank really highly for me on the year. Tremendous, mm-hmm. but yeah. So let's talk about the post match stuff or Milo. Sorry, what, what was your? 
It's okay. I didn't mean to. No, it's okay. John sent me to gay baby jail and I deserved it. Um, no, I just, I, I just want to say, like, it, I think it's no secret that I've kind of been disillusioned with Dragon Gate this year. Um, and, you know, whether you think it's for good reason or not, um, that's just the way that I've been feeling. And this match, like, this is the kind of thing that I fell in love with Dragon Gate for, right? I think that I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to what I say here. Like, this kind of match is why I fell in love with Dragon Gate. And um, so I was happy to, I was, that just made me genuinely happy, right? And um, I was just really, really glad to be watching this and to think that this was, I, this is going to sound really weird, but I was kind of like, this is still my Dragon Gate, you know? Like, I'm making absolutely no sense right now. I'm sorry. No, no, no you're, you're, making making lots, you're making lots of sense. Yeah, you're making I, absolute I, I, sense. That was the same feeling I had, too. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just, because um, this year it's been, like, kind of dull, kind of hard to understand what was going on, kind of, like, very frustrating as well. But this Maximum versus Jemmy story has been something that's like genuinely interesting and genuinely hot to, to follow. Mm-hmm. And this match, like that was just, you know, it was like there was heat between the, the wrestlers in the match. The crowd was great. There was a story to, to tell. It was that crazy multi-man matches like Dragon Gate does so well. And it's it kind of felt like after so many months of being like frustrated and angry and sad and kind of like and kind of being like, should I still even be watching this? It's kind of like bringing me back, right? This was the good stuff. This is the stuff we watched so, Dragon Gate for. I think it really kind of made me like emotional. In a way. Yeah, it really made me emotional. I was I was very happy that this match happened and like uh, it. Uh, yeah. It just kind of, uh, yeah, just made me made me very happy. <laughs> mm. Like, like this is the good stuff. This is why we watch Dragon Gate. I feel like exactly. But yeah, I loved it. But <laughs> people go watch this match. That I know it's a busy time of the year. This is a match to go seek out. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the post match, um, the the big thing coming out of the post match is there will be no summer adventure tag league this year. Yeah, they're listening <laughs> to me. Finally, finally, they're listening to me. Um, so instead, they did a unit league. So that's what they announced. Um, it was Rochizuki's idea because all the all basically all the units came out. And they're all arguing, and they're all complaining, and they're all like, I'm the best, and you know you're the best. First of all, the, the look on B.B. Hulk's face when the Berserk music hit was the greatest reaction. Like, he had this look like, oh, God, jeez, motherfucker. <laughs> okay, but like, It was like say. Milo took over his body. It was, <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> like, it, it wasn't overstated at all, but it was just like, he just reacted like... He was just disgusted. It was so great. Um, but yeah, so the, all the years come out and argue about how great they were. 
Mo- that brought Mochizuki and Fuji out. And Mochizuki's like, this doesn't really have anything to do with me, but I'm going to butt in anyway because that's what I do. And um, his idea was after World, we have like a month and a half between World and Dangerous Gate at the, this is the Tokyo Oda Gymnasium show. And his proposal, his proposal was for the duration of that time span is going to be a league of some sort. Um, we don't really know how it's going to work yet. We just know there's going to be a league. All the units are going to be in it. And it's called the Unit Survival League. And whichever league, the lowest ranked unit will be forced to spammed. So we're going to lose a unit here, folks. Um, I think pretty pretty, every, pretty much everybody is picking either um, Tribe Vanguard or Overgeneration. Well, and John, I, think- I've, I have a poll that I've run to see which one everyone was thinking. And I can give you the results now. Mm, okay. So in my poll, like I did this over like the last week or so about who's going to disband and who's not. Sadly, because how Twitter is, you weren't able to have all five. So I said fave for your... I said fave if you want it to be Berserk, but it was actually ended up being close to a tie. And someone's that, typing very loudly. Oh, that's me. Sorry, I was on my oh. keyboard. I was on my keyboard. So <laughs> I, I have a mechanical keyboard, and I try not to type during the show, but I forgot to pull this up ahead of time. But okay, so leading the uh, poll was over generation going and then in second was Jimmy's and Tri Vanguard kind of tied and then right after that was Berserk no one thinks that the best boys should disband as they should because maximum is happiness maximum is love maximum is life <laughs> so yeah it's interesting though like I know I kind of think I know what Milo is going to say as an answer to this but I who do y'all think is okay, the one? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who who do we think is going to lose, and who do we want to lose? Overgeneration. Okay, so I think it's going to be overgeneration, and I also want it to be overgeneration. So there, there you go. Uh, Milo, I think it's going to be overgeneration too. I really want it to be preserved, though. Wait, what? Really? <laughs> no, shocking. Shocking. Call the, call the news. Oh, my God. I love news. I have some... You might want to run this on the front page of the mm-hmm. news. I, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be overgeneration, but I want it to be tri-Vanguard. <laughs> like, okay. I... I'm I, the only, I everybody hmm. agrees it's going to be overgeneration, and I'm the only one that's going to be happy about it, apparently. I, I mean, I'm okay with it, but I'd much rather it be what I think is the weakest unit in the last five years in Tri Vanguard. Mm. But yeah, like it, it'll be interesting how they do the formatting. I'm hoping that it's not just like uh, three uh, six men tags or like tag team matches. I hope they do like a mixture of it because I think it'd be real interesting to be like, okay, now it's time to do like an elimination tag match for your for your like block or however they're going to do it so I- i'm real intrigued to see how they put together this unit survival league i yeah i agree but um well, well I, I assume we're going to get some details right after kobe world probably probably that first cork and i'd expect yeah so i'm gonna be there yeah <laughs> i hope it's good i mean i'm actually i'm way more excited now I will say that I was about going to see the Summer Adventure Tag League. So, however this turns out, it, there's no way it'll be more boring than the Summer Adventure Tag League. So, yeah, I, I would imagine the crowd's gonna be more into it just because of you know the 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 penalty at the end, basically. Right. All right. So that was Kurikin. It's a very good show. I thought 
Um, good to see them get back on track a little bit here. And now let's talk Kobe World. So so far, all we have, all we have is the the Triangle Gate tournament, the Triangle Gate title match, and the three other title matches, right? No, we have a full card. Oh, where the hell is it? I don't see it. Uh, I, it's on the Dragon Gate English page. Oh, on the Facebook? Yeah. It, it, it's on iHeartDG. It's on the official page. I didn't see it on iHeartDG. It's from Maybe. June 6th, or July 6th. Sorry. Okay, hold on. It's great radio here. But yeah, it... it so, oh, here's the full. Okay. Yeah, I for the 18th Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival at Kobe World Cannon Hall. Yeah, I see it. Um, although this doesn't list the fucking participants. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Where? Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. Um, all right. So here's the full card. Match Zero, Sachi Hoko Boy against Drastic Boy. The Battle of the Boys. <laughs> team Boy, which isn't really a team, explodes. Dun, 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 wow. dun. Are you okay, John? Please <laughs> um, don't explode any boys. Um, I'm you. I'm going to go ahead and protect. What? I was going to say, this episode, we're having some problematic thoughts about boys here. <laughs> um, I just want you to know. That I'm always having problematic thoughts about boys. <laughs> we really, we really. You would not that. believe the things I have done this week. Oh, I will believe it. All right. No, I, I'll, I'll tell you later. Okay. So Sachiko Boy is going to win this match, I think. Really, right? I think be Jurassic Boy. I mean, uh, sh- somebody's going to. One of these two losers is going to win. Who fucking cares? I, 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 as much as I, I love, as much as I, I love Sachi, Sachi hasn't done shit. Thing. Sorry, Milo. You for, I said you forget that losers are my thing. <laughs> so I care about the losers. Okay. So then match one proper. We have a little bit of a veteran versus uh, young boy tag here. It's Mochizuki, Don Fuji, Jimmy Kanda, and Jimmy Kaness taking on Kaito Ishida, Yuki Yoshioka, Shun Skywalker, and Hio Watanabe. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm a little surprised. Um, Mr. Watanabe, Watanabe-san, is on this show for the reasons we discussed earlier, but <laughs> so maybe, proud of maybe, my son. Maybe he's finally calming it down. <laughs> um, this should be a really fun opener. Um, I, I, obviously, the veteran team is going to win, but mm. it should be a really good little twelve-minute eight-man tag. Yeah, like I kind of wonder which one of the young boys is going to k- get kicked in the nuts, considering that it's Kanda, Kanas, and Mochizuki. Yeah. Gotta do the nut kicking. Poor Hio. What do you think about this? What gotta do, do the this? nut kick. That's all I... That, <laughs> just gotta do the nut kicking. What do you think about this, Milo? What What else is there to say than just gotta do the nut kicking? Okay. So then after that, we have the... the, the <laughs> open the trial gate number one contender it's tournament. Really, it's really late. I'm sorry. All these matches are going to be fought under two count rules. So they should go pretty quick. So first, the first two first round matches. It doesn't say who's fighting who. So I just read the I'll read the four teams here. The Jimmys is going to be Jimmy Susumu, Genki Horiguchi, and Ryo Jimmy Saito. Pretty much the strongest Jimmy team you can put together, I think. Yeah. As far as the triangle game goes, um, Tribe Vanguard is going to be Hulk, KZ, and Maria. Over Generation is going to be Gamma, Eta, 
and Yamamura. And Maximum is going to be Katoka, Big Arshimizu, and Ben K. The team I fucking deserve. The young I Maximum. Think the finals, finals are going to be Jimmy's and Maximum, I think. Yeah. Oh, it has to be. That's what I of I, course. That's what, I, that's what I would assume. Unless they really I mean, want to it almost them. seems too obvious. Like, it almost seems too obvious to be the thing that actually happens, but I still think it's the thing. I mean, they could, they could just do it as a first round match if they feel like it, but I still oh, I prefer to see it as a final. Mm-hmm. So. They'll match up somewhere. Yeah, I, I think the Jimmy's are going to win this. Because that would make the most sense to me for the for the for to have a really good triangle gate match, but I could I could see Maximum winning. I guess I think it's gonna be one of those two though. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, it take it's hard for me to take seriously a, a triangle gate challenge team with Gamma on it, though. I over wouldn't... generation teams. That's not gonna. I don't think they're gonna win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tribe Vanguard. Yeah, they are tribe Vanguard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that those the two first round matches. Then we had the Braygate title match, match four, Jimmy Kagator against Flamita. Um, should be a very good match. I assume Kagator is retaining, but Flamita could win, I guess. Depends on how long he's staying, but I assume he's not staying that much longer because he's already been announced for Bola for PWG. Yeah. So. He he's been kind of a man, like the international man over the last few months. Like I don't know if he's gonna be resigning after Kobe World. Yeah, so I think Kagator is going to retain, but it should be a really good match. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. Although, you know, said I said my piece about this already. Should have been KZ, but you know, whatever. I'm not bitter. <laughs> After that, the open the trial gate number one contender finals match five, and then I assume intermission because the very next match is the trial gate match itself. Shingo Takagi, Takashi Yoshida, and Al Lindemann against the tournament winners. I assume Berserk is going to retain here because it'd be it'd be kind of silly to have them lose to a team that just wrestled two other matches, even under two even under two count rolls. But I don't mm-hmm. know. I, what do you guys I, think? Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. I mean, again, with Berserk, it's always a question of what I want versus what I think is going to happen because. I want nothing but eternal misery for them. So, I don't know. I really don't know. I I hope they lose the belts, but it's kind of, like, hard for me to care about it if Berserk is involved at this point. So, I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to think, I'm just going to say... You know what? If if we still think that Seahawk is losing in the main event, I'm going to say that they're losing the belts as well. Mm, interesting. All right. Then the semi-main event. Shima and Dragon Kid against Naruki Dori and Masato Yoshino. <laughs> they had better fucking lose. <laughs> I, I, they had I, better fucking lose. I'll say this. With the exception of match one, I feel most certain about this match going towards Doi Yoshi. You also don't win this match. I'm going to fly to Japan two weeks early and burn down Shima's house. I will kill him myself with my bare hands. Well, they are small but mighty. It, you're going to have to take out Genki at the t- same time because you know that meme. Mm. Anyway, the match will probably be good. Um, it'll, it'll be three it'll, and a half stars like all CK1 matches. I have but, a lot of heat. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really... Uh, this, this fucking title reign had better end. 
it a better fucking end. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like I, I I feel like I lose ten years of my life every time I remember that if they retain at world, they're going to break the length record. Yeah. It God, oh. just let it end. Please right. end. Please end. Main event. <laughs> a title: Yamato and T Hawk. We talked a lot already on past episodes. Why I don't I don't think T Hawk's gonna win the title. Heels don't win the main event Kobe World. I don't see that changing here. I think if I was gonna retain, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna be that good. I'm not excited for it at all. Just want it to be over with. Let's just Yamato can retain. Let's put it behind us and move on. Yeah, like just with like how everything's set up for August and what what it means for a heel winning at Kobe World. Like I know I think I said 25 percent last episode on T Hawk. I'm down to about 12 and a half percent. Like it's just there's <laughs> wow. That's oddly specific. I, I'm an oddly specific person. Like, I, I go through the day having the exact same food, drinking the exact same things. Like, I like order and regiment my life. I'm highly type A. But that being said, T-Hawk, if T-Hawk wins, like, in Dranky history, that means two things. One, meet T-Hawk's turning face. That ain't happening. It also means that T-Hawk's leaving for Zerk. That ain't happening considering what's going on in August. So, unless they're going massive curve vault, it's Yamato, and it'll be okay. Hmm. So, that's Kobe World. Certainly not my most anticipated Kobe World ever. Um, I think a lot of it's going to depend on the Triangle Gate tournament. I, I think it could have a very good undercard if the Triangle Gate tournament and the Triangle Gate match all deliver, and the Twin Gate match delivers, and the Brave Gate, because I think the Dream Gate is going to be crap. So, how long is this match going to go? Yeah. Oh God, forever until we all die, probably. So we're going to heat death of the universe. Okay. Yeah, the I mean the heatless death of the universe in this case. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, but that all being said, <laughs> let's talk about a Dream Gate match that has a whole lot of heat with it. Hell yeah, baby. But um, is John he, here? Is John I'm, alive? I'm alive. Has John left us? <laughs> Consumed Masato, by their rage. Masato Yoshino and Masaki Mochizuki. Now I screwed up when I tweeted this out. I thought I thought you picked before I I even downloaded or watched it. I thought you picked the 2011 match where Mochizuki beat Yoshino Me for the too. title. Nah. But you actually picked the 20, you picked the 2014 match where Yoshino retained his title. So mm-hmm. two yeah. different Dream Gate matches. Two this one's two very good from gate matches. I mean, this one's also very good. I, don't, I have no complaints about it. But. Yeah, the reason I picked this match, like, this is, this happens, uh, I believe it's uh, either January or February 16th, 2014. Okay, uh, January 16th, the first Korkin of the year. And this was Misaki Mochizuki's, like, 20th birthday, or 20th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah, all not his twentieth birthday, everybody. Yeah, twentieth anniversary. Sorry, guys. And um, it's just like for me, I like when I and I've realized this. My my last few matches I've done have been Mochizuki Dreamgate matches. Between this and the Jazawa one that I did last time was my choice. I just love Mochizuki in Dreamgate matches. Like he is just 
He brings the fire. It's always great. The crowd always loves him. And this has two of the best big match themes in Dragon Gate history. Like, I love it. T- yeah. like, I totally forgot Yoshino had a big match intro. Like, that weird little piano thing. I, I completely forgot. Oh, about. I love it. The soft piano. It's soft. Yeah. It's like... It's great. I totally. love it. Maybe it was, his, it was his love song to Doi, because Doi left him again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it was. Um, Yoshino, by the way, his fucking white and orange Monster Express tights, those are the most ugly fucking tights he ever wore. Those tights he's wearing in, these, in this match. Like, they were so hideous. Like, Jesus. Was, he, later on, he switches to those like black and orange ones, and, and those are way orange. better. Yeah, silver and... But, like, these are really, really ugly. So. It's, like, he usually has some really good, like, this was before, like, he started doing, like, his, like, title match tights where, like, he'd wear, like, the green ones or the purple ones. But, like, yeah. Because yeah. he usually has really cool color combos, and that's, like, the one downside with Maximum to me is we're not seeing, like, crazy color combination Yoshino. I like the black and white, though. It works for them. Yeah. Um, okay, so the match kind of starts with a with, like, a slap fight. Mm-hmm. And Mochizuki basically does the equivalent of bringing like a a gun to a knife fight, where he just like throws a spin kick all of a sudden, and it's like, wow, that's one way to win a slap fight. <laughs> but then, but then Yoshino kind of like counters that, and and like they, Mochizuki ends up on the floor. Um, he gets dropped to the floor, but then Yoshino like tries to do a dive, and Mochizuki like climbs up onto the apron and kicks him in the head when he's like just sticking his head out. That was an awesome spot. And then Mochizuki does a moonsault off the second turnbuckle to the floor, which... Fuck yeah, he did. He's, he's already, like, what, like, 46 at this point? And he's doing fucking moonsaults to the floor? Like, <laughs> Jesus. He's the Iron Man of Dragon Gate. Hell yeah, he is. But, also, but Yoshino... not already 46. Oh, what was he, like, 40, 44? Uh, I mean, he was born in, uh... Wait, he's 47 now, so... so he, then he, yeah, 44. Uh, yeah. His, his birthday was the next day. So I was close by saying it was his birthday. <laughs> so then Yoshino tops him like a little bit, little bit, little later because he does like a moonsault off the top turnbuckle to the Yoshino floor. Yoshino does what now? A moonsault off the top turnbuckle to the floor. Uh, so he's basically like, hey, old man, you do, do it off the second turnbuckle. I'm going to do it off the top turnbuckle. That felt but, completely yeah. flat. He was like trying to overshadow him. It was pretty good. Um they were, then there was another sequence of Yoshino like twisting Mochizuki's arm around, mm-hmm. and at first that went on for so long that it was that it was really boring and bad. But then it kept going for so long after that that it was actually really funny. Mm-hmm. So he just kept twisting the arm in a circle over and over and over and over and over again. I was like, oh my god, all right, do something. And then he kind of works over that arm for a while. Um, that's kind of like the little heat portion. Mm-hmm. But then Mochizuki. Does he gets like a, a really cool kick sequence and then he hits a running uh kick a kick like right to Yoshino's face and like Yoshino does this awesome like flipping cell in midair. He like, basically does like a flip in midair and lands face first. And that <laughs> that was like one of my favorite moments of the match. Um and then you see I, I wrote a lot of notes on this match because I like it a lot. So <laughs> Shingo Shingo was like one of Yoshino's baby face cheerleaders on the floor. Doesn't that look like intensely weird now? Oh, it's so weird. Shingo, like, yeah, Yoshino. I'm like, wow, you are you were very miscast as Babyface boy. Like, I I keep waiting for you to like, jump in the ring and like and hit him with the pumping bomber because you look so like you look so like uh, phony trying to cheer on Yoshino here. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I don't know. You guys say something. I feel like I've been talking too much. Uh, Don Fucci's the world's greatest corner guy. Because, like, each time, like, there was, like, a near fall where he thought that Mochizuki was about to win. Like, he was already, like, diving through the ropes. And, like, Gamma was, like, holding him back with his stick the entire time. Like, we need to keep Don Fucci under control. Like, I love that. Uh, I... There's just, like, little moments to it that I love. Like, the fact that, like, it... it what it takes Yoshino to do is, like, the, it takes him, like, the top rope lightning spiral into the, the, the Sol Naciente for him to win. Like, it was, like, there was very little moves left out of... Yeah, I, ha- I have some of the stuff they... I wrote down all the stuff they no-sold. Yeah. So, so Mochizuki no-sells the fucking lightning spiral. Like, he gets hit with the lightning spiral and just pops right up. He hits, like, a bunch of kicks, like, a really cool kick combo. And then, Yosh- and then uh, he collapses and can't cover. Then there's, like, another crazy no-sell sequence where Mochizuki, like, no-sells three Torvalinos in a row or something. And Yoshino no-sells all these ki- all these kicks, but then um, Mochizuki gets a twister for a two-count. Um, Yoshino no-sells the Shin Psycho high kick at one point. Like, he gets kicked in the head, he pops right back up, and he's like, bitch, <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> and then, um... But then Mochizuki unloads like a crazy kick combo right after that, including another Shin Psycho high kick that only gets a two count. Um, the, the crowd finally gets like a loud Yoshino call for the first time. They've been behind Mochizuki before that, but like when seeing Yoshino kick out of that high kick combo, they suddenly were behind Yoshino. Uh, they've been behind Mochizuki, and they were suddenly behind Yoshino. Um, mm-hmm. There's a long fight on the top rope that leads to Yoshino getting that the um, the avalanche style lightning spiral you we were just talking about, but even that still only gets a two count. And then Yoshino applies the Sol Naciente. Mochizuki um, goes down at first. He fires up and tries to kick his way out of it, which was awesome. Like the crowd is just going nuts for that. And then Yoshino still won't release the holes, and Mochizuki finally has no choice but to submit. Like that was aw- that this match. I would give this like four and three quarters. Like this is one of my favorite. Dreamgate matches, it's always magical when Mochizuki is in a Dreamgate match, and this was really no no different. So mm-hmm. and Yoshino Yoshino is had always has awesome Dreamgate matches too. So yeah. um, this was this These was really two good. Really really well together. Go yeah. go look on our we, we posted because, this on our we posted this on our Twitter by the way if you want to watch it. Yeah, the, these two worked really, really well together because, like you, John, I I thought that Mike had originally selected the 2011 one, and I was really really hyped to go watch that. Uh, because I, I remember really liking it. And then it turned out to, you know, be this one instead. And I was like, okay, whatever. This one is great as well. <laughs> I was like, I, I feel like they're kind of one of these combos that are a little bit rarer than like a Shingo, a Shingo Hulk, for example. But they're, they always click for me. Like, I really, really, really love when they face off. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you have any other thoughts? Oh, uh, oh Michael, since your pick. I have a ton of thoughts. Like, don't get like the reason. This might be my favorite Dreamgate match of all time, and that's why I chose it. Just because, like, there's just like the little things. Like, this is a match that it's only about like 25 minutes, but it is full throttle the entire way. I love the fact, and this is the first match I ever noticed this back in 2014. The way that for certain people, Mochizuki. When he does his kicks, he hangs his foot on them afterwards. And I think that's the coolest thing. Like, I don't know if y'all really noticed that or if it registered with y'all, but I love the fact that, like, well, like when he goes, like, and does, like, his spin kicks, like, he leaves the arch, not the arch, the top of his foot on someone's neck, right, right afterwards if they don't go down. And I love that. 
Like, there's just, like, little things in this match that I, like, subconsciously love. Uh, it has my longtime favorite, Kanichiro Rai, on the outside, just kind of sitting there, which I like. I mean, I just like nearly everything about it. Like, I actually personally gave it a full five. Like, I love this match that much. Like, to me, this is a five-star match. And I know, John, you said it was a four and three quarters. I think uh, I think Melster went four and three quarters for it as well, because this was back when he actually reviewed Dragon Gate shows. <laughs> But yeah, I love this match. Like this, I I love Misaki Mochizuki Dreamgate matches. I love Misato Yoshino. I love them together. Like the 2011 match is equally as good. I remember. Like I haven't seen that match in a couple of years. So, mm. but yeah. But, uh, so you can pick it next time. I, I'm actually, <laughs> I have to pick something else because if I because that'll be three straight Mochizuki matches. Like, I, I, I gotta pick something different. I'm gonna shake it so up. I've, so we'll see what I'm gonna pick. I haven't decided yet. I didn't really get a chance to look, but I'll I'll tweet it out, everybody, because it's my pick next. I'm probably gonna pick something from Kobe World to keep it the theme, since the next episode we do will be the Kobe World Review episode. But, um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, Alright, so we should move on now to questions, because we got a few. Yay! Uh, <laughs> Andrew wants to know what are some of your favorite Kurikan shows? Angry two sixteen. I know. Way to be like. Let's only pick one each. Otherwise, okay. it'll go too long. I think my all time favorite um, is probably the Toriumon show with the um, with the four the four way six man. So that's the one that had um, the Italian Connection versus Crazy Max um, versus Do Fixer. Um, God, who am I forget? Versus uh, Shin M2K, mm-hmm. and then that has one of my favorite turns of all time right after too, with the um, I get that's one, that's probably my favorite Dragon Gate match of all time. So that that instantly elevates that cork, and even though I don't really even remember what else is on it, and it, but it also has one of my favorite turns right after. So it's a very memorable Kurikan for me. Um, I guess that'd be my pick. The turn, of course, being the when when the Italian connection splits. So. Mm-hmm. What do you guys pick? I'm thinking. Milo, do you have one? Honestly, I don't. I never, like, remember full shows like that. Like, if you ask me favorite Kodakuin matches, I would be able to give you a few. But yeah, that's what as, I like, entire shows, I don't have, the mem- like, the memory capacity to tell you things like this. I mean, really even, even with my pick, I still, want, I still really picked a match. Yeah. Like, so I don't so I don't know. I mean, that's what sticks out. So, I guess for uh, me, um, like I will say, well, actually, you know what? The show, if like the show where um, where where Tozawa came back from America, and they had that awesome like impromptu twelve man tag, it had the the BB Hulk heel turn on the undercard. That was a crazy show. So if I was gonna pick a like a, a whole show, I guess that'd be my pick. So it'd be the one from twenty eleven. Where the Blood Warriors Junction Three thing really kicked into overdrive, where um, Junction Three got their official name and logo, mm-hmm. Gamma joined, um, BB Hulk turned on Shingo and joined Blood Warriors. Um, that was his first ever heel turn. Tozawa came back and then had that great like twelve man impromptu main event. So like just so much stuff happened to that show. So yeah, I, I, and it was like it was one of the craziest Corkins of all time. So yeah, I guess that'd be my pick. Now I think about it for like a full show. 
you asshole, that was the one I was just about to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but your pick too. Who cares? Uh, uh, no, I'm go for variety. Just like because we're talking about moments. Uh, one of my favorite Corkins is the I forget it was the first one or the second one from last year with the that had the tremendous uh, Ada versus Susumu match and Shima versus Tazawa. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, just because, like, that's... Because, like, the moment things or, like, the single-match Corkins, I could list off 100. Like, maybe not 100, because I don't know if there's been 100 Corkins, but I could list off a bunch. But, like, multiple match shows, that's the one that's coming to my head right now. So, yeah. So, I think that... I forget that was May or June, but one of the two uh, from 2016. Do you got an answer, Milo, or no? No. Just move on. Sorry. No. Greg HG at Goodnight Love 35. He had a couple questions. One of them I could tell he he listened to Wrestling Omikaze because I ranted about this unit in on that podcast. He says, which faction was is worse? Suzuki Goon and Noah or Berserk and Dragon Gate? Fucking Suzuki Goon by a mile. As much as I, as much as I hate Berserk, Berserk has not killed a company. Suzuki Goon <laughs> killed Noah. Look at Noah's attendance now. So, I mean, Berserk, you can you can complain about them as much as you want, and I get it. They're not they're they're towards the bottom of my Dragon Gate heel units. So they're probably only above um, Deep Drunkers for me. <laughs> maybe, maybe Real Hazard too, but it's close for them. So that that's about it. Whereas, but 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 Berserk has not had that kind of like incredible negative, um, you know, negative impact on Dragon Gate's attendance like Suzuki even had on Noah. So Suzuki and plus, you know, as much as people don't like interference, sometimes interference does have an historical context in Dragon Gate, whereas it had none in Noah. So to do all that run in bullshit was a, in Noah was a million times worse. So, yeah, fuck Suzuki goon. Fuck them in Noah. Not even close for me. I don't know what you guys think. I I abstain because I've never followed Noah. <laughs> so I abstain, you know. Sorry, Mike, uh, finish what you were going to say. Oh, no, I'm saying. Yeah, okay, so basically, I would, I, 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 okay. So I do agree with John in, um, in what they said, like, about, you know, killing the attendants and stuff like that, but I'm going to take a different and maybe like a, a little more selfish approach in that for me, Personally, and I know that I'm in, in the extreme minority here, but Suzuki Gun never killed my interest in Noah the way that Berserk killed my interest in Dragon Gate. Oh, I think that's I mean, completely that's how, valid. Yeah. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. But yeah. I just, I can't, fuck, I fucking hate Suzuki Gun so much. <laughs> um, not that I don't, not that I, I just like, I don't really like Berserk either, but I fucking hate Suzuki Gun. But Suzuki Gun Goon did have the funniest uh, promo with the G1 uh, presser yesterday. Uh, I didn't see it. What did what'd they say? Uh, so Zack Sabre Jr. got up. Oh, there. yeah, the, the, late, the labor. Okay, I didn't see this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Zack Sabre Jr., who I'm kind of bummed because like, that was the one guy that I was like, I really want to go see Zack Sabre Jr. And I'm bummed I didn't get to the uh, the uh, Evolve Charlotte shows last weekend because I was going to. Because I want to. Because I feel like me and Zack Sabre Jr. have a lot of things in common. Our hatred of neoliberalism, uh, fashion, and such like this. 
but I don't know if you saw this, Milo, but like his whole entire presser, like Star Episode said hi. I am Zack Sabre Jr. My two thoughts are the uh, about the G1 are the inevitable decline of neo neo neoliberalism and how Michael Elgin can't keep his suit ironed. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, but but Sabre wasn't in Suzuki at the time, so yeah. it's fine. Uh, his other question: um, with cross promoting being popular in Puro, how come DG hardly ever do it? As in recent years, not any time really. I mean, okay, they did. Because DG is an island nation. Yeah, they do do it. They do do it sometimes. Um, it depends on you know. There was the crossover with DDT. There was Dramatic Dreamgate. Um, they had some guys from, you know, they had. Know, they even had some El Dorado guys in at one point as like a it's, as a zero one rep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Sorry. What? Well, go ahead. No, it's. I. I just. It's like, I can't hear about this like DDT and Dragon Gate partnership. Because whenever I hear about it, the first thing that pops into my mind is the Dan Chakradino rumble. Yeah. <laughs> where Kutoka basically gets gang-raped for like 20 minutes. And it's like, it's a bad time. I, I, I mean, Dino is highly problematic for all the uh, dramatic uh, dragon, dr- what, DDTD, what, I forget whatever it's called, like, he has... Dramatic Dream Gate. Yeah. yeah, Dramatic Dream Gate. Like, he's been pr- problematic, like, the entire time that they've ever done collaborations. If it's not Katoka, it's Sazawa. So, yeah. Uh, Alright, but anyway, that's really kind of off-topic, so... Yeah. Back to, what you, back to what I was saying, like, there are, they do do some crossovers. Um, they're, in, they're definitely in a low point for that right now. And there really haven't been much crossover in crossovers in the last few years, and you know they had a long crossover with Noah too. That's another one. Yeah, because obviously BB Hulk and Shingo won the GHCGU tag titles. Um, they've had lots of participants in their in their junior tag league. But yeah, right now they're in a very isolated. Um, they're back in a very isolated mindset. I feel like, and you know it goes off and on for them. Like they they do have the isolation of policy sometimes, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they have a very unique fan base. So, um, yeah, they do draw from some ja- from the general Japanese wrestling fan base a little bit, but a lot of their fan base does not watch a lot of other Japanese wrestling. Like they really just have a lot of fans who are just Dragon Gate fans. I mean, every promotion has that, but I feel like Dragon Gate probably has the highest percentage when you look at how many of how much of their fan base is female, how much of their fan base are gay men. I mean, they have a very <laughs> unique fan. They have a very unique fan base, and they've always and- had it. They've always had it. So sometimes the outside wrestlers don't get as big a reaction as you might expect just because the fans don't fucking know them. You know, like like Jusen Dunder Liger during his Dreamgate run probably got the quietest reactions of his career when he was in Dragon Gate because it's just not what, like, Dragon Gate fans don't really know a Jusen Liger that well, a lot of them anyway. Yeah. So what were you going to say, Michael? I was going to say, like, I was actually going to bring that up, like, Jusen Thunder Liger, like, Jushin Thunder Liger got less of a response as an outsider than Aki Bono ever did during his Dragon Gate stint. Like, if you're an outsider in Dragon Gate, like, they try to find someone who has, like, a greater cultural touchstone. Like, that's why they always would have stuff with Kensuke Sasaki and Akira Hokuto, because they were actual celebrities. Like, like yeah, they were, exactly. Like, they, were, they, were on, they were on Japanese, they were, like, Japanese, uh... Toronto. Uh, like, yeah, they were, on the, they were on all those kind of shows all the time. As like this this unique couple, so uh, Aja Kong, like she does that kind of stuff, so that's why people remember it. Like 
Yoshiaki Fujiwara is like a is someone that is known throughout Japan because he was a big star like when wrestling was more popular. So like yeah. the, so like there is that like whenever they bring in outsiders to do collaborations, like really like the best example is comparing Jusha Thunder Liger, who was in the middle of like his big CTU stint where he came in, became Dream Geek champion, and no one really cared or knew of him. And then com- contrast that with how the crowds were when Kinsuke Sasaki or or uh, Aja Kong or like anyone else. It just doesn't happen. It's just different fan base. And a lot of the collaboration, it's just the fan base is different. They don't really have the space on the cards for other people nowadays. Well, yeah, they, they, yeah. The, the rosters are gigantic right now. Yeah. They can't even... They can't even fit all their kids in, so there's really no point. Like a lot of the promotions, you know, that, that are doing a lot of crossover stuff. Like you, you know, Noah's promotion is like ten people. Yeah. You know, like Noah's roster is down to like ten people. <laughs> um, all Japan has a pretty tiny roster. Zero one. Um, zero one. So like, if you look at like, I mean, Wrestle One doesn't have a lot of outsiders, and they have a very they even though they're not like popular or anything they have a large roster with all these kids yeah they have a so, yeah they have a lot a lot of kids so when you're trying to get all these kids on the show you know you don't you just don't have enough room for all these outsiders mm-hmm. so i think that's how how you look at it is like it's not so much they don't want to it's that's a big part of it too they just don't have the space yeah like maybe 10 maybe 10 years from now if there's if there's room you'll start seeing more crossover again but i just think a big part of that is just they just don't. Certain promotions have the space yeah. for it, and certain promotions don't. I, so. I, mean, I mean, talk about the, the size of the roster. Like that's why, like I know that Shima's been scouting, and I've talked to people. Like Shima's been scouting for new Gaijin to come over, but like there's just no space. Like it need, need to be someone that really blows them away. I think, and no one's blowing them away. Yeah. So and a couple um, of guys. We know what happened with the last guy that blew them away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the 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 other the only people I heard about uh, got two of them are now in TNA for the World X Cup. That's all I'll say. So the last question we got was from um, Thoros, who wanted to know who would win in a fight between Milano's dog. Um, that dog has a name, sir. Mikaru. Mikaru. And Dar- and Daryl. Who would win in a fight between Mikaru and Daryl? Yeah. Um, I. I have to go with uh, look. One dog here is visible, and one dog isn't. So, Daryl's a cat. Did you just call Daryl? Oh, a dog? Dar- Carol, yeah. I'm sorry. Daryl's a cat. One pet is invisible, and one pet isn't. I, that, that was that was the ultimate brain fart for me right there. I Everyone, think, that was John many, who did it. Their Twitter how account many, is. How, how, <laughs> how many people have Daryl in their avatar? I love Daryl. Like, why did I call Daryl a dog? I'm very sorry. Did you see the Periscope um, today? I did see the Periscope. It was awesome. <sighs> oh, gosh. Um, who, so who would win the fight? Still, one pet is visible, and one pet is not. So I have to give the, the advantage to the invisible pet. Yeah. Stealth. It's important. Yeah. So there you go. That's my take on this. Yeah. Uncle- also, he's a veteran, right? That's true, too. Daryl is a green boy. Daryl is, is green as hell. That is a rookie cat. Okay, so Milano's dog is a witness for sure. Uh, what do you think? Uh, so I'm gonna take a look at this a little bit more analytically. Uh, the one of it, <laughs> oh, wow, the, the advantage that y'all are properly saying is Makaru is invisible. Makaru has experience, but let's take a look at it at another way. 
Makaru has been stolen so many times. Like, Don Fuji saw, saw him how many times? Like, four, I think? Like, it was... <laughs> like, Makaru just, like... Like, it is a very, from what we can tell, is a very lazy dog. Or very inactive dog. And I think in that aspect, that you have to give the, uh, the activity uh, advantage to Daryl. But that being said, what we're talking about here is experience. Trickery. And style. And I saw the haircut that Daryl got today. That's not a good haircut. And all that, like, you have to go Makaru. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm sorry, New Japan fans. So we're, we're in unanimous agreement here. I mean, we're, we're rational people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So, with that said, I guess we can wrap this up. And wow, we actually went under two hours. <gasps> like, like a world record for us. Say it ain't so, John. <laughs> um, so this was fun. We might actually be back a little sooner than we used to, because I feel like we have to do a Kobe World episode before I leave for Japan. So we'll figure out exactly when that's going to be. But Does this mean that we'll have done like three episodes in the span of like a month and a half? Yeah. It's yeah. Like a I record. really hope people do not get used to this. <laughs> yeah, guys. And, and, and I will I will promote now, just in case that falls through. You will get at least one episode of Open the Voice Gate from me while I'm in Japan. Now, I don't know if Michael and Milo are going to be able to be on it. They have to be able to call in at a weird time. But um, Yeah, if, we're going to have to figure out about that, by the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to record if I have to call it like a bonus episode, I guess I could do it. But if you guys want to be on it and we can make it a real episode, then that'll be fine. But yeah, I'm, I'm like, going to try to I'm going to try to record right after Corican. So that would for be the like, next year or two. Oh, you're going to be. In, yeah, you're going to be in Japan. Yeah. I mean, I so, hope <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. But in the meantime, so look out for a live open the voice gate from Japan when <gasps> I'm there. Hype. Uh, from after a Corican Hall. Hey, yeah. you should get Phil to be on it. Yeah, Phil will be on it. Don't worry. Yay! Um, right after that, I might be going to... Well, not even might. I'm, I'm probably going to go to another show, which is right now listed as a Kotoka Second Home Homecoming in Osaka. This will not be a taped show, so I'll be able to give you my thoughts on a non-taped show. Uh, and um, that'll be like August 17th, I think. So... Look out for that. Look out for two bonus Open the Voice Gate episodes live from Japan. Um, anything else? Let me think. I guess that's it. Follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Follow me on Twitter at Tushanshu in LA. I'm not going to tell you how to spell it. Just figure it out. D- direct all of your Daryl hatred towards them there. Yeah, yep. I, I, I'm sorry I called Daryl a dog. I'm <laughs> very, very sweaty and tired. I want to end this podcast so I can turn my air conditioner conditioner back on so um thank you thank you all for coming on thank you all for listening we'll see you actually relatively soon for our kobe world wrap-up all right so proud of us see y'all bye bye people have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward building a stronger future Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.